Oral Histories of the National Railway Museum. As Howard Luscombe's railway career continues, he talks here with Peter Hackworth about country railways, the odd story or two, and the conversion from steam to diesel. So tell me the process, how come you went to Port Lincoln? Oh, I just got sick of working down the southeast and thought I'd like a change. Put in for it and unlucky enough to get it. I went up to Thavenard relieving, I used to like that. Tell me about working at Port Lincoln. We had relay trains there when I was there. To go to Buckle Boo, which you went every Tuesday night and get home Friday morning. You sleep in the carriage next to the engine and you work nine hours and nine hours off. Like that all the time. The train keeps running. Some of the cuttings going to Buckle Boo at 10 mile an hour on account of the sloppiness and that. So when you say sloppiness, what does that mean? The wet, track spongy, dangerous. Up to the driver to decide what he'll do. So you'd start at Lincoln and then Buckleboo was the end? Yeah, Buckleboo was the end. That was the other side of Kimber. It's Kimber, there was two little sidings in between there. I can't tell you their names. And that's where these cuttings were. And they used to get horribly wet and dangerous. It's sort of hard to imagine that country getting terribly wet. The, yeah. You always think of it as being very dry. Mm. Yeah, that's. And would you have any idea of how many stations there would have been between Lincoln and Buckleboo? Because they're all gone now. I, I, yeah. Well, I guess they are. I don't know. See, they've got all diesels over there now, haven't they? And that train that went to Buckleboo, that would have had passengers and freight? No, it wasn't a mix. Crews used to sleep in there and they couldn't sleep with passengers running around. You usually get home about five o'clock Friday morning and we used to, if you had a good yard, someone that you was friendly with and that, you'd go fishing when you got home until time to go and wake your wife up, you know. So how long did you stay at Port Lincoln? For? Four years, right. 48, 52. And then where did you go? Back Mile- to Mile End and stayed there. What was the reason for coming back to Mile End? Was there oh, any particular reason? I love Port Lincoln and my wife didn't like it. What was it about Port Lincoln? Oh, my she... wife came from Port McDonald. But she didn't like Port Lincoln and that was... No, that, I don't know why, because I loved it. So when you came back to Mile End, what were you working on then? Straight onto the big engines and that. Yeah. Mainly learning roads, because I hadn't learnt the road. You've got to have usually three trips learning the track before you bound to work, work over it. Right. Yeah. So that, and you'd be doing that with a driver? You'd yeah. Be... Some roads you knew because you worked over them so many times as a fireman and that, you know. Right. You didn't have to learn them then. When I was at Port Adelaide in the early days, we used to work coal train at night out to Penfield. The munitions were still going there. We used to go out to uh, Smithfield and push right back into Penfield. All that stuff's non-existent today. They had a coal stage at Penfield where they used to uh, coal the RX if they got short of coal. So which roads were you typically working? Oh, north and south. Where would you have been going to? What what destinations would you have been? Moota, Tarawi, then that became Peterborough later when they relayed that bit of track. Now Peterborough's almost non-existent. Mm. Most trains run through there where they used to stop, shunt and do all sorts. Well, see, there's no train now from Bowman's to Moonton. I would have bet my life that that track would always... Say, at least to Wallaroo, they have 
wheat trucks and that lined up for bloody miles back there, you know. So were there other routes that you did as well, or other roads, I should say? Port Perry, we used to do that. Did you have a favourite road? Uh, we I reckon Perry would have been our favourite road. Okay. What was it about Perry that made you think that was your favourite road? Well, when, you, when you knocked off, you, if you did knock off there, you didn't come straight back. You would have somewhere to go. Hey, up the Robertstown line, there's Point Pass, you know. That's out from uh, Yudunda. The fella there had a heap of sheep he wanted to feed them. Well, the trains never run weekends out there, so he fenced the line off. A couple of put his sheep in there. What did they do? They put on a work train and nobody knew about it. Went straight through them, killed heaps of sheep. Were there any particular incidents or events or accidents that stand out? We're coming home on the Overland, not on the Overland, on uh, Freight 198, it used to be the number of it. That was the express goods, fast freight, you know, and follow the Overland. And we're coming around Petwood, you know, up the straight there. Here's this bloke out waving his arms, it's just like an old ganger, you know. And, oh, what's going on here? He said, I jumped off the Overland. I said, you jumped off the Overland? He said, yeah. He said, it slowed down. Well, there was a speed restriction there, and that slowed down for that, and he jumped off. But what had happened, he said, I drank a bottle of Southern Comfort from Melbourne, and he said, I went for the big spit and I spat my teeth out. <laughs> so he said, there was a speed restriction and the train slowed right down and he jumped up and, to get his seat but he never found him. <laughs> and I had a black firing for me. He said, hey, hey, I see sir. He's seen his teeth and he come back. He's got them in his hand. And I said, oh, for God's sake, get back in the back there and wash them. I said, well, get on here. I said, and I'll throw a note out at Nan and tell him I got you on. And then at Valhanna, they told us to put him off at Bridgewater. So we put him off. They arrested him when he got down there. A woman had had a handbag stolen on that carriage, but he got off. He hadn't taken it. Oh. Whether they got the person or not, I'll never, ever know. Anyway, uh, they recovered, recovered his teeth. Oh, I said, I'll never forget saying to him, I said, oh, I could have got you a cheap set. Uh, I said, in that when we get down late? He said, yeah, he's the undertaker. Yeah. I said, he's got a bucket bullet. <laughs> oh, he's a hood. Oh, you have your humorous times, you know. <laughs> uh, another one of my Tatum Ben Sunday afternoon, yeah. and we're going down, down into Petwood, and the poor bloody cattle, a whole heap of cattle, they'd laid in the cutting big cutting there just before you go laid in there to get the warmth I think it was a very cold night and God I had an 8.30 class she bounced like this you know the cattle were running away with broken legs and everything so they were on the track they were on the track sleeping in the cutting you know we just rang control and he got the gang out and we went on you said you were one of the first to do the transfer from steam to diesel Yes, when they were getting that 900 class diesels ready, a black called Neilhead was his name, I think. He was the instructor in the institute and he taught us and Pat Brooks was in that school too. And he went on to become an inspector. We were in what we called Bonehead College. 
Bonehead College. Oh, yeah. That was where they used to teach. Where was Bonehead College? Behind the railway station. That was the old cheer-up hut. Cheer-up yeah. hut. During the war they had it, it was a cheer-up hut, yeah. And uh, you had to pass the exam, that was a written exam, the diesels, but I had no trouble passing that. Were you quite keen to become a diesel driver? I was quite keen to become anything that represented another dollar. When you were driving, would you always work with the same fireman? No. Okay. You get him today, you wouldn't get him tomorrow, probably. You might. If they were desperate, people back around to come in. You, you, usually over there you get a fairly, they were fairly good. They are mostly Germans and they were mostly pretty reliable blokes could do their job. What was the difference in, you know, r- running a diesel engine? Was it, I imagine it must have been a lot easier. It was simple. I'm saying, you, you, if, if you weren't lazy, you gave your mate a spell and let him do a bit of driving and you'd fire. But on a diesel, well, didn't matter what you'd done, it was neither of you were working. What was the arrangement on it, Diesel? Did you work by yourself as a, as a driver or were, were, did they still have a, a uh, fireman? I always had a fireman. Yeah. Well, you got to have a fireman for signals on the other side. When you're well, shunting, you might have the shunt well, on the yeah. fireman. Oh, to, to so keep watch. Relay yeah, to relay the signal. He might say, go ahead, and you've got to go ahead and stop and all the right. on that side and where on was transferring from steam to diesel, did you enjoy that? Are you pleased to wave goodbye? Because? Easier for your mate. You didn't have to give him a spill, did you? So you weren't nostalgic for the, oh, for the past? No, no. When I went to Port Lincoln, we went at YXs and that over there on the shutter, things that had been discarded years ago down Mount Gambier and that, you know. So were they your least favourite engine, the YX? Oh, no. I worked them out to Kingston. Kingston yeah. yeah, they never had air brakes on them when I first went on them. When you're going downhill, yeah, with the brake on, then you have to uh, release the brake to move ahead a bit and shove it over. Oh, terrible thing. Injectors were bad on them too. I tell you how good the superintendents were. Ken Newman, he was a smart aleck and as a driver, he, he's a good bloke, but he, he used to be. Like to do things a bit smart, and there's a place called Stewart's Range, just out of Narracourt, where they pick up cattle and stuff like that. In those days, not now. I don't think a train goes out there. And uh, he went back a bit hard and couldn't stop and knock the ramp over. And uh, Schumacher come and seen him, this superintendent at the time. He said, "What happened, Ken?" He said. The damn air brake didn't work. Oh, he said, no. sorry, Ken, sorry to hear that. He got out of it. And there wasn't never, an air brake. an air brake on it. <laughs> Handbrake. So did you have a favourite steam-fired engine? Some of the 600s, they worked across the desert on the um, Express. Some of them were much better steamers than others. So with the diesels, which class did you start on? 900 were them. Oh, apart from the shunners, I think they were the first, weren't they? 350. Yeah, yeah, they got them in I think they were, Yeah, they were the first, then they had the 900 yeah. diesels. So how long did you drive diesels for? At what point did you retire, Howard? 1988, I think. I reckon it was the 19th of July. And was that compulsory retirement? I couldn't go past 65. Right. If I could have gone on a few more weeks, I'd have got a big payout. Yeah. The fellow that lives next to me, 
he do retired at 72. He got $16,000. I retired at 95 and didn't get a dollar. Right. Only me long service. So when you retired, did you do any driving after you retired, like any tourism work or anything like that? I I did one trip. I worked a cockle train there. The best railway man the railways ever had for those sort of trains was Dean Harvey. You know, he donated... 200,000 to Steam Ranger. Not many have done that. He came up to me in Adelaide one day and he said, Howard, you haven't cracked your throttle. I said, I haven't cracked the throttle. Why should I do that? He said, warm your cylinders. I said, who's driving this train? He said, you are. I said, who's running the back there with the carriages and that? He said, I am. I said, you go back and do that and I'll do this. <laughs> he, he said, fair enough. He was good like that. He, he was bombastic, but he was also a good bloke. Had he worked for the railways as well? Oh, no. He was an engineer of some sort, wasn't he? Very highly paid position, had plenty of money and everything. He must have. Who gives 200000 away? So when you look back at your time in the railways, do you look back on it with fondness? Yes, I do, yeah. I'd do it again if I could cut certain little bits out and put better parts in, you know. It mentions that you spent many years as a cannonball link driver. I did about 20 years. What's a cannonball link driver? Well, they call just a name for speed, for the higher speed stuff, like the Overland, the Perry East-West to Perry. We used to work at the Dutton, run the same now. That was a cannonball. I think there was 20 of us in it. Fitzpatrick, that bloke that I got in the car there, he was in it. Bill Hassam, he's dead. Brian Newport, yeah. They called the express drivers Cannonball. All right, well, I think we'll conclude it there. Thank you, Howard. Your memory is quite extraordinary, actually. Good on you. Thanks for listening to this oral history podcast from the National Railway Museum.